Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we come before you this afternoon. Sing praises unto your name to offer ourselves up as a sacrifice. Prayerfully, it is a sweet odor in your nostrils. We come to acquire as much knowledge as we can concerning who our Lord and Savior is, Jesus the Christ, who suffered and died for us. We want to come into the greatest understanding and knowledge of him. And we want to come into unity in Christ with each other, Father. Help us, Father, to rise above the lowliness so that we can enter into your presence and be able to sing in spirit and in truth, worship unto your name. We glory, we glory, we glory in your presence, for there is no God like the God that we serve, who sits high and he looks low, seeking whom he can put his loving kindness on. Here we are, Lord. Here we stand. Here we sit. Have your way with us, Father. Glory to your name. I pray, Lord, that you will do a great and mighty work in the souls that are present where there needs to be salvation, it will happen. Where there needs to be renewing of the spirit, that will happen. Where there need to be sanctification of the believers, that will happen, Father. So I thank you for continuing to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Okay. Um, and the message today is the gift of salvation. And uh, the supporting scripture text is coming out of Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 2. But before I get into that, I, I, I want to read the definition of salvation and kind of talk about that first. So, um, my Bible dictionary states that salvation is one of the key concepts of God's revelation to humanity. Now the biblical idea of salvation involves three notions. First is the rescue from danger, harm, or even death of an individual, group, or nation. Okay, which is what we believers seek for more than anything else. Okay, uh, re rescue. But most specifically, salvation is the rescue from sin and death. Amen. Second, it is the renewing of the spirit. Oh, you see, when you get saved, you don't get saved to continue to act and do as you've done before salvation, before Christ, because he comes in and renews your spirit. And so if he comes in and renew your spirit, then you should be convicted by the things you've said and done prior to. Amen. Amen. Scripture explains that humanity fell from the original condition of moral purity and the state of sin. And you've heard this, the phrase original sin? Well, in the garden was the original sin because it came against the original plan <laughs> that God had for man and just turned everything around. Amen. God's salvation always renewed the spirit of a person. God's salvation always renew the spirit of a person. If your spirit is still downtrodden and is not elevating, then you need to go back to the foundation to make sure that you are saved and not have just recited a prayer. So it renews the spirit of a person to lead a life that is morally pleasing to him. A life that is morally pleasing to him. When I read that statement, then all I was doing was bringing home that the body of Christ, if we know who we are in Christ, we recognize when God's morals are being compromised. And we will just kind of 
fade away from that, stay away from that, because we don't want to fall into that trend because we are being led to please God morally and to follow his commands. When we, on New Year's Eve, we heard the prayer of Psalms 119 yes. Yes. that keeps saying, follow my commands. I love your commands. I obey them. When we do that, we don't have as many problems and, and troubles that we faced in 2020. So that means the morals of God was absent. Amen. Third is the restoration of a right relationship with God. Because remember that original sin separated us from God. And salvation restores that relationship back to God. When you don't have to have anyone else interfering or interceding on your behalf to get to God. You will have an intimate relationship with God. Amen. One of the effects of sin is separation from God. The written word of God makes clear that salvation restores one's relationship with God. As Romans 5.10 say, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. In both the Old and New Testament, God's salvation includes rescue, renewal, and restoration. And is accomplished through the person, the work of his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So, salvation, if we will go over to Matthew 1, 21, we'll see where it was prophesied. In Matthew 1, 21, salvation was prophesied of his coming. And it, and it says, and, you shall, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus in the Hebrew means salvation. Yes. This is why you have the religions who don't believe and accept Jesus, but they say they believe in God. And though Jesus says, if you accept my father, you accept me. If you accept me, you accept my father. So they're not saved. They may be regular church attendees and they're doing all of the ritual nice things. But the fact is, until you accept Jesus Christ, the person Jesus Christ, you are not saved. And you can use God's name all you choose, but you are not saved. Okay? Because he came to save us from sin. And only he can keep us from sinning. And then if we do sin, can cleanse us from the sin and restore our righteousness again. Amen. Amen. Now, salvation for man. We need to understand that only through the blood of Jesus are we to come and receive Jesus, our gift of life, and believe in him. It's only through the blood of Jesus that you can actually come into a believing faith of Jesus and actually receive Jesus and walk in a new life in Jesus. It's through the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Not because your parents or relatives were saved. You cannot ride on the wings of your ancestors and think you're going to be saved. You can talk about how wonderful they were, but it's not going to save you. Okay. <laughs> you have to want to be saved. You cannot be saved through a natural man. Now, they can minister the truth to you. They can minister the gospel to you. And they can pray the prayer of salvation with you. But they cannot save you. Amen. All of that points you to Jesus. But only the blood of Jesus can do that. If you choose to believe. Only the blood of Jesus saves us. Not even the recitation of that prayer. Because if you don't believe and you haven't accepted the blood, you just recited something. Neither will it happen because of a certain church you attend. <laughs> or who you know. Or from your good deeds and your good conversation. That can't save you. Only the blood. Only the blood. Every person must confess for themselves. 
And many churchgoers may think that they're saved. A lot of churchgoers think that they are saved. <laughs> but let me tell you, you will not be saved based on your thought pattern. You will only be saved on your belief in the blood of Jesus Christ. Because, see, they think because they call you to come up and, you know, and then just recite this prayer. But they have not ministered salvation to you, nor appealed to your spirit and your soul to say, I want it. I know we've been in the presence. Well, it, if you're not saved, come up, raise your hand, come on up. Okay, okay, now I need you to repeat after me. And they think because they actually repeated some words, they got saved. Your heart and your soul has to be ministered to, yeah. and then you repeat that prayer. Because, let me tell you, when you have just repeated some words that did not come from your heart and your soul, you cannot produce fruit. Amen. And definitely not good fruit. Okay? Okay. It takes first the nudging of the Holy Spirit or the drawing by the Holy Spirit because first he works on you to draw you to the Lord. Okay? Okay, let me read some, a couple of scriptures to support that. First, let's go over to John 3. We're going to be going through a lot of scriptures. Um, no, I'm sorry, John 16. Sorry. John 16, verses 8 through 14. He says, this is Jesus speaking. Nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. The comforter is the Holy Spirit who draws you and, and nudges at you that you want something different. You may not know the word salvation, but you begin to feel uncomfortable with how your life is and what's going on, and you want to experience something different. Okay? He says, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. He will convict the world of sin. When he starts nudging and pulling on you, he makes your ways aware to you to make you realize you need help. Yes, hallelujah. And you need a savior. Yes. To reprove, convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Yes. Of sin because they believe not on me, Jesus said. And of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. And other in other words, for you to become righteous, he has to go to the cross and, and, and be buried and then resurrect so that we are righteous. He says, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. The, the prince of the world was judged when Jesus decided to go to the cross and then go be buried. And Satan was judged then. Yes. You cannot overcome Satan without salvation. Amen. But because you are now saved, you can overcome the power of Satan in your life. Amen. You can't say Satan made you do it if you're saved. Yes. Because God has already judged him and overpowered him. And if he's in you, living in you, you are able to override anything that he does. Amen. Amen. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, and I'm going to read verses 10 through 15. He says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life. Oh, yeah, that's right. Purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. That's the manner of life. Persecution, afflictions which came unto me and at Antioch, at Lacumum and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of all of them, all that the Lord have delivered me. Jesus, is he's telling about, Paul is talking about what he has gone through, but 
out of everything he's been delivered be why because he recognized who Jesus was before persecution happened to him just like how he had persecuted everybody else prior to okay yay and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived don't worry about them because anytime that you live a deceptive lifestyle it goes downhill it doesn't get better you become more deceived of your own deception but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus now when he's talking about as a child he's not talking about as a a, a, a chronological child but a spiritual child because when we come to Christ we are children we are babes in Christ but we grow in Christ by believing reading his word praying and being disciple in the things of Christ and being sanctified by the spirit of Christ and if you're not doing those things, I don't care when you got saved. You may have been saved for many years. But if you have not done those things, you are still a babe in Christ. But the Holy Spirit works the things in you that needs to be in you when you are open to him. You can't just, because you showed up, don't make you a Christian. It's only because you are allowing the spirit of the living God to work salvation, to work sanctification, to work righteousness in you. Do you grow and become the mature person that you're supposed to be in Christ? And that can't happen if you don't open the book. That can't happen if you don't humble yourself in prayer. I'm not talking about, bless me, Lord, pray, fix this, fix her, fix him. I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. I'm talking about search me, O oh Lord. Yes. Know my heart. Yes. Next, it takes faith that causes you to want Jesus and to know more about him. Now, now we need to go to uh, John 3. Uh, we're going to John 3 and verses 14 through 18. Okay, John 3, uh, starting with 14. And no man have ascended unto heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Okay, are y'all praying with me? Yes. Okay. How is the Son of Man being lifted up? By us! Wake up! If he's in you, and his light is shining through you, when you walk out, walk in, he's being lifted up. When you show up, he's being lifted up if he's in you. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Bless this message. <laughs> that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall, should not perish but have everlasting life. You can perish without dying. You can be walking around perished. Because the light, the life, and the love of Christ and the truth of Christ is not resonating in you. When it is, there's a lift up and people can see it and don't know you they don't have to know you because it's not about who you are oh god help me holy ghost you can go out to the supermarket and the people don't know you but they start looking at you and they're smiling and all they're not smiling at you because you look pretty they see something more than the outer external that, that you think they're looking at. They're seeing something greater and it's hitting their souls. So it's making them feel good. That's what God wants. He wants us to make a difference in the world just when we show up. You don't really have to always see anything. Just show up. But don't go without him. 
let's go over to Romans 10. Romans 10, verses 9 through 11. Remember I said faith, it takes faith that causes you to want Jesus and to know more about him. Yeah. Remember the, the, the subject we're on, okay? So verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God have raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There's two things that's predicated on that salvation. It's not just what you confess, but you're confessing what you believe. Amen. For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture said, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Next, it takes your declaration by your mouth out loud as a witness of your faith, which means you're not ashamed of him. And verse 8 uh, of, of uh, Romans 10 supports that. But what saith the word is nigh thee, mm -hmm. even in thy mouth and in thy heart? That is the word of faith which we preach. In other words, when you're sitting upon the word, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God, you're sitting on the, under the word, you're hearing the word, you're reading the word. When you do that, the power of this book gets in your spirit. And it will surface at the time of need. This, this is the only book that all you have to do is read it and it digests inside of you and it surfaces up at a time of need. Okay, um, John 17. It takes your declaration by mouth out loud as a witness of your faith. John 17, verse 20. Jesus is speaking. And John 17 is what I call the Lord's Prayer. Neither pray I for, those, for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through, the, through their word. Did you hear what Jesus said? He's not praying for the world. He intercedes for believers, and we are supposed to reach the world with his word coming out of our mouth. So with our word, we're supposed to reach the world, and they will become believers. If you are a believer, it's very difficult as a believer to not talk about your Savior and the life you experience because of him. You know... I used to, when I was first born again, I used to be offended until the Lord made me realize you need to rejoice. Because they said, that's all you ever talk about. Well, that's who I am. Amen. You didn't worry about it and you didn't say that when I was out in the world acting the way I was acting. You didn't say, that's all you ever do and talk about. No, you just want to hang around that garbage. Now my, my language has changed. My thought pattern has changed. My desires have changed. Who I am have changed. So I talk about who I am in Christ. And if I don't talk about it, how will you hear? And if you don't hear, how will you be saved? I need to say that again because some of you are talking to some folks and you don't ever talk about Jesus. And you know the people you're talking to don't know Jesus. So if you don't talk about it, how can they hear? And if they don't hear, how can they be saved? Amen. It takes confession. Go back to, to 10, 10, 13 of Romans. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Confession of your mouth. Okay? And uh, Acts 2, 21. And in, in, uh, in the, the, the book of Acts, which is where chapters 1 and 2 are just the best chapters ever, because it really talks about believers getting saved and receiving the uh, infilling of the Holy Spirit where they're empowered. But Acts 2 uh, verse 21 says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, this is not a little private, uh, quiet thing. It's a public verbal thing. And if you are not speaking it out, if you're not declaring it, if you're ashamed, Jesus says, then I will be ashamed of you and will not confess you to my Father. 
Well, why? Because he's our chief intercessor as a believer. And if you're not declaring it, he can't intercede for you. Amen. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Where, you, where we're going to perish at? Eternal hell. That's where you perish, in eternal hell. The benefits of salvation, we're going to go to Isaiah 53. Amen? Amen. Okay, and we're just going to hang there. <laughs> Isaiah 53, glory. Thank you, Jesus. By our confession of faith in the person of Jesus and through the blood of Jesus, we have salvation. I'm just, I'm driving that home. Amen. I'm just going to drive that home. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, Isaiah 53, and we're going to do the whole chapter, 1 through 12. Amen. Believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed, or in other words, and to whom is the power of the Lord revealed? Because his arm, and especially his right arm, represents his power. And to whom is the power of the Lord revealed? And so he be, Isaiah begins to talk about who this person is. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He have no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire of him. So in other words, there's no splendor about his appearance that appeals to the natural man, that appeals to the flesh. Uh, everything about him is from within, the beauty that is within. And so when you accept him, then that's when you grow to understand all that beauty that is within him and to be able to receive him and serve him more than what we do when we're just dealing with the externalness. The other thing that I got out of that, the fact that God came uh, the way, I mean, Jesus came the way he did, the mold that he took, uh, to come as a human factor, meaning that he there was no splendor, that he wasn't handsome, and he wasn't all these things that make you like, oh, look, then should encourage you because then that lets you know that anybody can come to him. You don't have to have a certain kind of experience, uh, I mean, uh, appearance or a certain status or come in a certain mold. Anyone, whosoever will, let them come, can come and be saved because of his human experience. He came very lowly. So no one can be excluded. And by the power of God, you can be saved by the person who knew no sin, Jesus, but became a sin offering for us. Yes. Amen? Yes. Okay, so it says, he is despised, did I read two? Yeah, he is despised and rejected of men, mm. forsaken. He was forsaken of men. The same ones who he walked with for three years on earth, he was forsaken by men. A man of sorrows, <clears throat> excuse me, which meant he was a man of pain, okay, and acquainted with grief. Grief here means sickness, not the kind of grief that we, we kind of major in, but sickness. And, and we hid as if it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. And, and that still goes on as of today. Mm. As Isaiah begins to describe how Jesus will appear to man and the sacrifices he will make for mankind, man was the one who rejected him and despised him. But you know what? When we confess Jesus as our Savior, but live and make choices contrary to who he is, we too are rejecting him and despising him. His standard he set by his uh, appearance that was commonly was to qualify anyone no matter your sin to become a child of God and no longer just God's creation he suffered by causes that we face today all the time when in, in when it talks about in three 
where he was despised, forsaken, rejected. He was uh, a man acquainted with pain and sickness and all of that. Okay, he suffered for all of those causes that we face today at all times. But those causes were nailed to the cross. Those causes were nailed to the cross. You know what? Because to hear about who Jesus is and what he's done, it is a time to rejoice and to celebrate. Verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our sorrows and our sickness, our pain and our sickness. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Again, we see the see the word grief and it refers to sickness which is what happens when we let grief take control of our emotions okay I need to say that again because see I, I, I know that's a problem with us okay <laughs> he suffered and took on all of our grief which is the sickness that will happen when we let grief Take control of our emotions. See, grief affects our organs, the spinal area, our nerves, the blood vessels, our heart, and skin. Psoriasis. Um, what's some of those other skin diseases? Eczema. Eczema, all of that. That's because of grief and sorrow that's inwardly. Okay, it's not just about your emotions, it's far greater than that. And that's just a few things that grief will affect when we allow it to be internalized rather than releasing it unto the Lord. Because we have been led to believe you're supposed to grieve and you're supposed to feel sad and sorrowful. Yes, we will face grief, but just as Jesus did, we must face it, deal with it, and then come out of it to be about our Father's business, which is the purpose God has given us. Remember, Jesus was gone up to the mountain to grieve over his cousin, and the people came up pulling on his virtue for healing, and he came out, and he began to do the work of the ministry. That's how God expects us to handle the grief. It's supposed to be for a short period of time, but it's not to govern our life. It's not to dictate our path. It's not to be the, the, the thermometer for your emotions. I don't know if I can remember it. <laughs> it's not to be the thermometer for your emotions and dictate your life and govern who you are. Amen. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. By the cross, we are delivered from the sin of iniquity that we were born with. That's the sin that we were born with. That's that original sin we came in the world with. But the cross freed us from that sin. The cross delivered us from the sin of transgression. That's the sin that we rebelliously commit ourselves. But all of these sins were taken upon Jesus' shoulder and nailed to the cross. So we don't have to walk around with those sins. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of of us all. We we have we have with our free will turned to the lust and affection of our souls with no concern about the consequences of the sins of iniquity that Jesus took upon him. What did that mean? There are some things that we were born into and we didn't know any better and we practiced and lived that I pray we released in communion and 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 we still follow through without realizing that we will pay a cost. There are consequences for those things. Even if you're suffering from what somebody has done to you, there's consequences that you live in that pain, that 
distress, whatever, there's consequences that's going to come to your body and your mind and your soul as a result of it. And why should it when God paid the cost for it? Why should it when he's already paid the cost? We, that's why we have to release it and let it go. And uh, keep it from continually molding dysfunctionalism in our being. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He had no complaints, nor did he try to defend himself, make excuses for the sin, like they did it, I didn't. <laughs> he had... He had no denial of the sin. He didn't act like, well, the sin really didn't exist. So, you know, like we do with sickness because of that word of faith stuff. I don't have cancer. I don't have a call. Well, okay then. So God don't have nothing to do because you're healed. They didn't teach you that you can confess it in a way of saying, God, I thank you for healing me. Yes, yes I have it, but, yes. but God's word, yes. the blood of Jesus yes. is gonna heal me. You don't go around denying yes. the reality of things thinking that denial is gonna free you or heal you. Yes. <laughs> if you're gonna deny it like that, then God can't work. Amen. And you're eliminating him. Oh, well, so what does that mean? Who do you really believe? Who are you putting your trust in? Who is your faith in? You and the, your confession of faith or Jesus and the faith in him Amen. and in his blood? Because he is the one that took on everything and he didn't complain about it. He didn't murmur. He didn't accuse anybody else and, or say, you're wrong. I'm innocent. Nor did he regard who he was to feel entitled. Because you know he was divinity, he showed up in flesh. But he didn't say, you all don't know what you're doing or who you're messing with. <laughs> doing the abuse like a lamb, he was silent to become the sacrificial lamb for mankind. Amen. Amen. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? Oh, wow, who will consider it among the generation? For he was cut out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. Did you hear that? Yes. This is what we need to be rejoicing over, because yes. now we can breathe and we can live. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. See, only the perfect person like that could redeem us. And yet we don't regard him as to who he really is. Oh, Jesus. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased God to bruise his own son, Jesus. He put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail, the distress of his soul, and he shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant, just, servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he had poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Do you, numbered for the transgressors. Do you realize he suffered pain for every sin all human beings have committed? We're talking about Trillions of people. Yes. Jesus, as our chief intercessor, who reminds God, as our intercessor, he reminds God about his blood that washed away our sin. Yes. 
That's how he intercedes for us. He goes to the Father and he reminds the Father about his blood that cleansed us from all unrighteousness in order to redeem us, to set us free, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He intercedes on our behalf as our high priest. Now remember the priest duties in the Old Testament that they had to go into the temple and labor in prayer uh, to, to pray for the sins of the folks? Okay, well that's over. Hallelujah, Jesus. When, when, when Jesus went to the cross, that veil was, was torn down that separated us from Jesus, I mean from God. So now we can go directly to the source. But what... What paved the way for us to be able to go to that source because of the torn down veil is the blood of Jesus and also that he has interceded because he tells God, remember the blood, remember the blood. So when you go to God in prayer, then he has to remind God, Jesus reminds God about who you are because of the blood of Jesus. So now he has to hear your prayer. He has to hearken to your needs. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory. You don't need to go to the priest anymore because the priest can't help you now. The priest need the help of Jesus and need the blood of Jesus. Hebrew 9, verse 11. But Christ being come and high priest, a high priest of God, of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. He is the tabernacle. <laughs> hallelujah. That's the great tabernacle. Glory, hallelujah. Not made with hands. This is to say, not of this building. Glory. Neither by the blood of goats and calves. You don't have to make no major kind of sacrifices. He's not interested in no sacrifices. He's interested in a heartfelt, contrite, sorrowful heart. That's what he wants. He wants your heart. He don't want your sacrifices. And, 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 and the sacrifices that we can bring to him as a human don't mean squat. You think what you do for God? as you serve him and serve his people is a great sacrifice because you have, oh, hallelujah, Jesus, because you have to get up and come and do something a little bit extra to serve God's people because you have to stay behind and do a little something extra to serve God's people because you have to go out and meet the needs of God's people. You think you're doing something great and that you deserve some kind of reward and to pour me because I have to do this. You're doing it because it's expected out of you from the Lord. And it's just a mere, 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 mere little bit of a sacrifice that means nothing. The sacrifice he wants is that you come with a heart of worship, a heart of praise, a heart to want to do service, joyful and gleeful and glad that you are well enough, have a sound mind, capable enough to come out and do the work of the Lord. If it means coming out here to clean this building for people to come in here to worship, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord that you have the ability to do it. Rejoice in the Lord. Stop acting like you some some sacrificial lamb. Glory out of the mouths of babes. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's who God is preparing to carry his message. That's who God is preparing. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We need to rejoice that we can do what we can do. And we need to make the sacrifice to do it and not act like we're doing somebody a favor. And, and, and come out, be vigilant, be on time. Come out, let God use you. God don't use lazy people. 
And when you come out and you come out early, that'll allow you to hear from God before we get in to miss the service. Amen. Amen. But let me tell you, the reward that you're going to get is far greater than somebody thinking you're great on this side of heaven. The reward that we're going to get is far greater than that. Our life don't belong to us. It was bought with a price. It's not about you. Forget who you think you are and ask God to give you some compassion and consider others before you want to consider yourself. You think it's all about you? You are sadly mistaken. Do you think Jesus went to the cross just for you only? Went to the cross for you to be comfortable doing nothing or whatever you want whenever you get ready to do it? You think he went to the cross just for you to live in a nice house, drive an updated car, get the best job? Do you think he went to the cross for that? Those are the bonuses. And you, when you understand why he really went to the cross, he went to the cross to redeem you, to, to heal you from the curse of sin and death to empower you with a knowledge about him that will enable you to get whatever you need, live wherever you want to live, have whatever you need. That is the result of knowing who you are, not the reason why. Because the answer for whatever you're seeking is found in the cross. For whatever you're seeking, is found in the cross. You know what? We're going to be struggling, having the same dumb conversation about the same dysfunctionalism and the mis whatever that's going on in your heart, in your home, just because you don't know Jesus and you're playing a game. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but this is on my heart because I'm sick and tired of having church. Amen. I want to have an experience. Amen. When I come in here, I want to have an I want to have a supernatural experience with God. I want to see when we can look different. When we act different, when we can come alive and wake up to the spirit of the living God, not doing the same humdrum thing we always do. I don't want to have church as usual. I want to have an experience with the Lord. And with an experience with the Lord, it's something different every time. And you see things so Let me tell you, Rise, with your testimony, People should have been convicted. People should have been convicted. She said something that I don't think people heard when she said she don't have an immune system. Did y'all hear that? If she don't have an immune system, but yet she comes out all the time in the midst of people with a possibility of getting COVID or anything else, but why? Because her trust is in the Lord. It's not in what the government is saying. It's not in nothing that is a natural thing. Her faith is in the Lord. So I believe God with you. You are going to run around this building and shout the glory to the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's our faith. It's our faith that makes us whole. Not what you hear. It's our faith that makes us whole. When you step out in faith, in the name of Jesus, he is, oh God. He must, he must take a stand for you. He's not gonna let you step out in the deep and drown. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's my praise. Let him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We restrict God with our own restrictions. We restrict.
When you praise him and give him the glory, he fixed the thing that you got the problem with. Instead of talking about all this and all that, God, I thank you. God, praise you. I'm whole in you, Jesus. Thank you for leading me, guiding me in the path of righteousness. For your name's sake, I am above and not beneath. Hallelujah, Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Uh, my God is the I am. Whatever I need is in his name. I call on your name, Jesus, to be that. Stop talking about your problem. And start talking about the goodness of the Lord. All you want is sympathy. All you want is sympathy. Sympathy can't heal you. Sympathy can't deliver you. Sympathy can't transform your heart, deliver your soul. Speak what you need and live for Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Living with restraints and complaints. Do you think that's going to heal your situation, change your situation, turn your situation around? No! It's going to stay the same. But when you wake up and rise up, like he told that man, take up your bed and walk. He said, take it up. He didn't say, get up out of it. Fix it where you can't get your behind back in there again. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to your name, Lord. We worship you, Father. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. The name above all names. Hallelujah. You are the I am, the great I am. We worship you, Lord. We praise you, Father. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're not... We're not going through the procedures. I want you guys worship us out. I'm not doing it. The benediction is, I hope you heard the message and follow what Jesus said. We're going to worship out. We're not going to do the regular routine. Let's just, just worship. No questions and answers. We'll do that next week. I just feel the spirit of the Lord is here. Let him have his perfect work. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.